Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Version 8 podcast. This is the podcast for those of you that are interested in learning more about modern marketing strategies and how it can help you attract more customers. And today, we have our very own Gilbert Kompukwe in the office with us. He is featuring on our podcast today to talk about e-commerce. Yay. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Andre. Um, I've always wanted to be here. I've watched a lot of videos and I was like, one day I'm going to get there. <laughs> yeah. You always wanted to be at the office? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but thanks for having me. I'm excited for the show today and I hope uh, you know everyone listening will get a lot of value from it, especially if you're an e-commerce owner. Yeah, so online is obviously growing at a you know quite a rapid rate in mm. South Africa, and on top of that, I think yeah, like the I think from our side, I think we're very excited about it. And uh, today, I want to talk about exactly how you can go about marketing your own online store. You know, a couple of things that you need to consider mm. when you're starting out. If you already have an existing store, you know what you can do in order to grow that. Uh, and yeah, I'm really, really excited to to dig into this today. Laka, um, can I introduce myself? You are more than <laughs> welcome to go ahead. All right, so uh, yeah, I'm Gilbert Kumpuke. For those that don't know, uh, I do. I am head of performance here at V8 Media, and uh, specialize mainly in lead generation and sales. So that is my forte. I've come to well market a couple of brands online in the e-commerce space. And um, also doing lead generation, but my favorite has been e-commerce. Um, and you'll hear for the reasons why I say that during this uh, interview. But um, yeah, just that's pretty much me. <laughs> Simple. You know what? It's funny before we start is that we, it took us like 20 minutes to set up. And like two years ago when we tried to do our own little yeah. video <laughs> series slash podcast. I don't know if Shay wants to show the world how it used to look. But uh, it took us like two minutes. We grabbed a phone and we had someone just man it. Um, <laughs> Authentic <no>. content, right? <laughs> Authentic content. <laughs> that's exactly it. So today it looks like it literally took like 20 minutes. Um, yeah. And every time we're getting a little bit better. Well, I hope at least. Uh, um, well, from the reviews and people, you know, what they're saying about the podcast, I think uh, we're in the right direction. Hope so, Definitely. man. So, Gil, man. So, uh, from our side, I think we're going to try and get the most amount of value out of you today. There's a lot of people, obviously, very interested in, in to hear what you have to say. Mm. Um, yeah, you are our head of performance and strategy. So let's talk some strategy when it comes to e-commerce sales and, and online stores. And this is obviously more aimed at the small business owners out there, small to medium-sized business owners. I do think you're going to get a ton of value out of this today. So I think the first topic of discussion, right, is when we get an online client, like a client that has an online store and they come to V8 and they go, hey, we want to market our online store. The f there's obviously one thing that we always do first. And I think this is one of the biggest mm -hmm. mistakes people make when it comes to launching their online stores. And actually, you know, they don't really think it through. They don't really do the digital marketing math. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, what is your two cents on that? Like, um, Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, because what happens is, you know, everyone is excited to market their product. However, when it comes to... Um, doing that, they don't necessarily consider the marketing math, as you mentioned, the numbers. Um, that is to a point of view where we talk about, do you know, for example, how much it costs to get a customer? Mm. Um, do you know how much it actually costs to produce your own product? I think also that's very key because what's going to happen is you're going to be able to, well, hopefully you'll be able to know exactly how much it cost to put, let's say, a pair of jeans together, right? If you understand that, that's a first good step because that's obviously part of your costs. Now, when you come to an agency, there's going to be other things involved, such as advertising spend. So now you need to consider, okay, I need to spend X amount of money, for example, every single month, um, and that's going to be on a continuous basis. But... When we, go, when we go further than that, it's about now seeing, okay, if I'm selling, let's say, a pair of jeans for 400 rand, and I'm going to start out, it's, I'm still a new business, you know, not a lot of people know my brand, um, so I'm hoping to get some sales, but, you know, we always say that if it's a new brand, for example, um, there are two jobs that actually need to happen. One is 
branding and brand awareness. So we mm-hmm. still need to build that brand. We still need to get into people's faces. Then there's the other aspect of actually now acquiring the customer. But acquiring the customer is going to come at a cost. Mm. So in some cases where you, know, you might have not accounted for a cost of acquiring a customer at 200 rand. Let's say you do actually get a customer who comes in at 200 rand. Now, obviously, we can, we can get those metrics because when we're running paid ads, there's a lot of data that's presented to us. So we are able to calculate exactly how much it's costing to acquire a customer. Mm. So let's say we started running campaigns and we said, look, you know, it's costing you 200 rand to get a customer. And you're like, okay, cool. Now... If you look at how much you're selling your product for, let's say you're selling, you're saying you're selling your jeans for 400 Rand, you say 400 minus 200 because that's how much you paid for the customer, then you got to think about, oh, delivery, right? There's delivery involved. Maybe delivery is, um, just for argument's sake, let's say it was 60 bucks. Mm. Okay, so 200 for 400 minus 200 minus 60, so now you're left with 40 what, bucks. One, what? So it's 200, 200 plus 60, so it's 460, yes. yeah. 460. So now then on top of that, you are like, okay, cool, I, I see where this is going. But on top of those costs, because you're working now with an agency, you've got to think about at the end of the month, there's an agency fee that you're also paying. Yeah. Right? So now you need to factor those into your costs as well. Hundreds. And then as a business, you've also got operational costs. So if you start breaking down those numbers, mm. yes, it was great that you got that sale, but... Those, those, um, the, the, the costs that you're incurring at the moment quickly erode your profit margins. Yeah. And you find that that one purchase actually ends up being a negative in return. Um, and so, you know, when you actually really break down the marketing math, you'll realize that when you're first starting out, it's always tends to always, majority of the time, be a negative return for yeah, the business 100%. when you're starting out. So the marketing math is something that is of, um, I think, a key aspect that a lot of business owners might yeah. overlook. And you have to set that expectation. That, exactly. So um, we never want to also take a client where we know that we're not going to be able to make them a profit unless they understand that the only time they're going to see a profit is three, four months down the line. Yeah. And that's because... Even if, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's because of the fact that you need to understand... People, we businesses don't make profit off the first cut, off the first sale. Yeah, it's only after the second or third or fourth sale sometimes do they actually start seeing a return on profit from acquiring that customer. Yeah, Seth Godin actually said the same thing, and he was saying that a lot of brands go into business thinking that oh, I just need to make a sale and woo, you know, profit is going to be um, falling from the sky. Yeah. that's not where you make the money. You because you need to pay to acquire the customer first, only after they buy again and again and again is that return. When that return comes back, yeah. now that customer in your books went from a negative return to actually a positive one. So they'll say the profit really only shows up after the third or fourth purchase from yeah. that person. That's called lifetime value, right? Yeah, so now yeah. you're going to start getting into that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think, you know, what I've realized is that you were talking about it in the beginning. I didn't want to interrupt you. But you spoke about building a brand. Mm. And that's very difficult to do on a very small budget. If you're brand new in the online space and you just launched an e-commerce store, the most difficult thing to do is to find the balance between building brand and trying to entice a customer to actually become a customer. Yeah. Right? So yeah, it's absolutely. like, or at least in trying to entice a visitor to become a customer. Be- but, but there's so many elements that come into play. Like a lot of people don't know who you are. Can mm. they trust you? This mm. is why, you know, we're going to talk about why you should have proof on your site that you're actually real. Exactly. Uh, testimonials, yeah. reviews, all that kind of stuff. You need to prove to people that you are not, you know, a fr- like a, like a, just a just scam a, artist yeah, trying yeah. to take people's money because there's so many of them around, right? Now, on, to- on top of that, I think to find the balance between building brand and trying to get that first sale, mm. if you have a limited budget, because that's obviously most of the, a lot of the people that are probably listening to this, is that how do you really go about finding that difference? Now, I mean, that just just a question from my mind. Like, I mean, mm. yes, we plan our strategies and, and yes, we go about it. But like, what is, would be the best advice that you can give anybody? How do they go about building brand, but also enticing the customer to become a, uh, enticing the visitor to become a customer? Like, how do you mm. find that balance on a very limited budget? Is there something specific that one can do mm-hmm. out of interest? Um, if not, like, how do you proceed? Yeah. 
So, I mean, the, the exciting thing, I mean, we live in a world now where there's, you know, social media is a very big thing. And it's actually quite exciting because there are opportunities for a brand to become more um, pers- personable, so to speak. Yeah. Um, it's to have a face. Um, it's to have a, you know, a, a character or a, a level of um, brand centricity around engagement because now you can be on social media and you can actually engage with individuals. That's so, so one of the ways to go about building brand is simply just doing you know, social media organically, you know, s- p- putting out organic posts, um, maybe from time to time having uh, even a, like a giveaway, mm. um, organic engagement posts that you can be doing to show that there's more to you than just a product. Mm. There's actually you know, maybe people behind the brand, and you, know, you, you, know, you can do a lot of creative things on social media today. Um, to find that balance when it comes to actually now brand versus sales, it's, it's going to be depending on where you are in, in your business. Um, if you're just starting out, we always recommend that we do a 50-50 split sort of. So we're going to invest half of your budget in trying to build your brand to get your brand out there for brand awareness sake. And then the other 50%, we can start testing out, you know, the different products that you have on offer. And I think one of the, the key elements also to mention here is that, you know, when we're testing out um, trying to get a sale, for example, for different brands, it's important that you as a, bra- as a brand know what sort of products actually work mm. because we never want to go in there, um, choose a couple of products and just because they look pretty or look nice and they're going to look great on social media, yet those aren't really the, the revenue generators, yeah. you know? And then you'll find that you end up putting in a lot of money into products that don't even work. Um, so When you say work, you're referring to products that actually sell well, yes, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. So it's also important to then come, um, you know, again, we sit together and say, listen, out of all the products that you actually have on offer here, mm-hmm. which ones really sell? Which ones do people really want? Because mm-hmm. those are the ones that we want to run and test with. And then we can put some little bit of budget behind that and start testing that as well. But um, it's usually a, a split uh, in some cases, you'll find that if it's really a brand that um, has just started out, there's no data, there's nothing for us to work on, mm. that split will be very skewed. It'll be like 75% of trying to um, increase brand awareness and only 25% do we actually spend on trying to drive sales and, and uh, purchase ads to your store. Yeah, so if anybody's listening, that's a tip that they can follow. And like from a brand awareness perspective, I think giveaways, you know, we've, we quite yeah, big... I had to mention that. On that. Like, <laughs> yeah. I know when you mentioned it, like, I was thinking, like, that works really well. Like, people want free stuff. Absolutely. It always works. Though, I can just imagine the, the question people might be asking is, like, oh, yeah, but, you know, giveaways, anybody enters, and the quality's low, and... Uh, I don't think I want to run a giveaway because they're not even, they're never going to purchase because we're talking about everyone loves free stuff. Yeah. But now the if you're attracting the, the, cus- the potential customer that only wants free stuff, they're never really going to consider buying anything because yeah. you know, that, that's the mindset there. Like, I just wanted something for free, but I'm not actually thinking of buying. So I can imagine that question. But the nice raised. thing is, is that's, that's where your paid targeting comes in because you could be targeting the right audience, the correct yeah. audience, the, the frequently mm-hmm. on the, the, shop, the shoppers that buy online. Yep. Frequently, and I mean, Facebook's got that online shoppers uh, engagement, right? Like, there's an yes. actual interest people yeah. that actually frequently shop online. You can be targeting those individuals mm. if you have high LSM products. Like, yes. if you think products that are suited for the higher LSM market, you can actually target those individuals as well. It says people who prefer higher, you know, LSM goods. Um, yeah, you can definitely target people that prefer higher LSM goods, and you can target um, engaged shoppers. So, you know, Facebook gets very narrow, very targeted. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why we love it is because of the, the um, targeting options that it's given yeah. us versus you know, other, other networks. Yeah, the, the, the biggest thing about a giveaway before we move on is that the biggest mistake I feel people make is that they just post it on social media and then let it sit there and then expect <laughs> amazing results, right? Yeah, there is a whole strategy behind it. Um, but I think even another thing is when it comes to the giveaways, I think the other mistake is that you do a giveaway, you run it for... I don't know, seven days, for example. And then you get all these people, you choose a winner, but then after the competition has ended, that's it. Yeah. Now, you've gotten, let's say, a 1,000 people to enter the competition, but what are you doing with them? Yeah. I mean, yes, I get it, though. They, they wanted the freebie, but 
here is your opportunity to build brand. Yeah. You know, you've gotten people, why not start some kind of communication? Easiest thing to think about is email marketing. Um, a tool like MailChimp, for example. It's free, well, up until a certain point, but it's a, it's a nice and easy way tool for you now to say, okay, listen, I've got all these emails. Um, they were They showed interest. Yes, it was for a free product, but they showed some kind of interest. Let me see if I can start building my brand here. Why not put an email together about your brand saying, thank you for uh, joining the um, competition, um, but would love to tell you a bit about who we are mm. and why maybe we ran the giveaway. Um, and, and then you could add more, start talking about brand and building it in that email sequence or your email broadcast that you want to start sending out. And never call it a newsletter. Yeah, because <laughs> they didn't sign up for that as well. <laughs> But yeah, never call it a newsletter. Everyone else does. I right? actually got an email today. Said um, company name, newsletter of the week, and oh, I God. didn't open it because it, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. why should I care about <laughs> the, the news of the week? So what for what? It's got nothing to do with me. It doesn't benefit me. You talk about your news, your company. It's got nothing to do with me. So, so I mean, as business owners, we get quite sentimental and romantic about our own companies, and we think that people would want to know what's yeah. happening in our business. And we use the term newsletter or stuff like that in order to, in, we think that people would be interested in what we have to say, but they're not. They're just involved in the everyday lives. They are worried about what they're going to watch on Netflix tonight. They're worried about what they're going to be doing <laughs> exactly. for, for Valentine's Day yeah. and um, all that kind of stuff. And I think at the end of the day, like we make the mistake of thinking that people are interested. We need to make them interested. Yeah, there's a reason why. I think the good, good e-commerce stores out there that are doing some cool things. Um, when you see, you know, trying to them trying to grab your email address, for example, it won't be subscribe to our newsletter. It'll be um, subscribe to our VIP list and get exclusive specials and deals first mm. before anyone else. Plus, you'll get a free gift if you subscribe today. <laughs> you know, that's more that's, about like that. the person than it is about the company just talking about themselves. And that would eventually want to mm. make people subscribe. So, um, yeah, a lot of e-commerce stores are doing some great things around that. There's always a value exchange, right? So, yeah. And I think that's what people don't understand is that when there's a value exchange, someone is giving you the email address and there should be a, an equal value exchange. Now, that value is subjective, but it's up to the business to ensure mm. that that value is actually objective to the point of like, that is value, Absolutely. no matter how you look at it. Yep. So if I'm going to get a free gift and I'm going to be the first to know about deals that nobody else knows about, mm -hmm. that is something I want to know about because I just bought a product from you or I'd be interested in buying a product from you Meaning that if you have exclusive deals that you're only going to share with a limited amount of people, exactly. I want to know about that. Yeah, and you know, uh, us human beings always want to be first, right? <laughs> 100%. So, yeah, no, definitely. So, I mean, we talked about the biggest mistake people make, which is literally struggling to do the digital marketing yeah. math. And they don't necessarily know that they're not running uh, at a profitable digital marketing strategy. And the one other thing I wanted to mention on top of that is mm. like, for example, your cost per click is on average, let's say, three to five rand. People don't know, right, if you're running paid ads on social media, you pay for every click. Yep. And on AdWords, you pay for every single click. Now, let's say the average click is three rand, four rand, five rand. Now, the average conversion the average conversion rate on an e-commerce store, and by conversion rate, I mean the amount of people that actually convert, you know, out of 100. So if there's 100 visitors, mm -hmm. the average amount of people that convert out of that 100, what is that, 1% to 2% basically? Yeah. Basically, it's about 2% across board, yeah. So now, with that said, five rand a click, mm -hmm. you need to get 100 people to make one sale. That's already 500 rand that you've spent yeah. to get one sale. Yeah. So that business owner who's making the jeans at 200 bucks, he also has to pay another 500 bucks mm -hmm. to actually drive a realistic, because you mentioned, for example, let's say the CPA, the cost per acquisition is 200 rand. Mm. That's fine. Let's say it is. I mean, in a great, you know, if, if things are working out perfectly, then it could be 200 rand. Yeah. But in reality, let's forecast, worst case scenario, five rand a click, 100 visits, one sale, 500 rand a click, mm -hmm. plus 200 rand of the product, that's 700 rand. That's shipping 60 bucks, 760 bucks, agency fees. Now you're paying 1,000 rand exactly. to, to sell a product that yeah. you're only making 100 rand or 200 rand on, right? Yeah. So, I mean, in essence... This is why doing the math is so important. But what do you think, what do you suggest people can do when the math doesn't check out? Like, what do you do? Like, if, if it, obviously, if it's completely skewed, you need to find a new business model, right? Mm. But if the, if, if the math is, like, e equally balanced and there's a way to save it, like, what yes. would be the best way to go about ensuring that you're running a profitable strategy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, first of all, I think 
if it is completely skewed, don't go and reach out to an agency because <laughs> it's going to put you in in a yeah. in a difficult position. Um, and the agency should tell you that y- if you do. Yes, they they should be telling you that. Um, <laughs> but if you if if there there seems to be um, you know a promise at at a you at a level where you can actually see that yes this could be profitable as in you do have a profitable business model um, and you do have products that people actually want to buy. Um, it's just that you're in that difficult position of trying to scale and trying to get there to actually see profit. One of the things. I think we've already established that it's very expensive to acquire the customer, right? But if you can acquire a customer to a point where you're at least breaking even, then that's good. Mm. Trust me. With your paid advertising, if you can at least just break even, that's good. Because what you need to be thinking about is not so much just simply about acquiring the customer and making that first um, initial profit. Today. Today. It's about, okay, I'm acquiring a customer, but what could that potential customer bring me tomorrow or next week or next month? So now you start you stop thinking so much on just the front end, the acquisition, but now it's actually more about the retention and the retention in the sense of how do I get them to buy again? Mm. Now you're like, okay, I paid X amount of money already, how do I get this person to buy again? Well, they bought a pair of jeans, a pair of chinos, for example. Mm, can't I cr- sell them something similar? Or maybe I've got a new product range coming out. Maybe I should send them a recommendation. Say, hey, we recommend you know these uh, new chinos just imported today. Um, and you, you're obviously going to sell it nicely. But what I'm trying to get is if you understand the customer that you've just acquired, mm and try and sell them on something similar, if they buy, that's already extra money for you. Yeah. Then you want to look at, okay, so they bought this Chino, and I sent another mailer regarding our new product range, and they bought that Chino. So clearly they're into Chinos, right? Um, perhaps maybe Chino. Yeah. Shoes? Aha. Uh-huh. You see, now you start thinking like that. It's like, okay, maybe I should introduce some belt uh, belt because you know you're gonna put on chinos it looks better with a belt (laughs) so (laughs) we're gonna well it looks better with this (laughs) exactly so it's now then understanding that your um profit making strategy or or the way you're gonna make profit doesn't stop when you acquire the customer Mm. it needs to continue your marketing needs to continue but the great thing about doing for example email marketing is that it's not costing you financially an arm and a leg anymore. You've already acquired the customer. Now it's literally just being a bit more strategic. And I mean, uh, this is also now you have to go deep, a deeper level. A deeper level meaning you need to, for example, look into your your uh, analytics one because now you're going to start trying to analyze like what people have been buying in the past, uh, what products are selling well, so that in order for you to actually have a uh, email marketing that is more tailored to individuals that are buying certain products, right? Mm. So you need to go deeper into your database, into your website. If you're Shopify, Shopify, for example, you can go into the back end and you can take a look at the customers that you have, what they buy frequently or what they buy often, what they're interested in, so that you can tailor marketing in order to make more money or get more purchases from them in the back end. This is now no more about ads. It's about looking at how you can increase the purchase value um, off of each and every customer. So when you start thinking like that, and when you start trying to tailor marketing messages towards the specific purchases that past customers have made, you now start understanding how it is that the golden goose lays its eggs, mm. not in the front end, but in the back end of your marketing. Yeah, so I think it's, a, it's about understanding the customer. What I'm hearing yeah. you say is like, understand the customer, mm-hmm. do some research, mm-hmm. look at what they're buying, mm-hmm. find out what complements what they just exactly. bought, or sell them something similar. Exactly. And you can use more affordable strategies to do that, like email, email which is not necessarily a pay-per-click kind of model, yeah. but it's like, hey, you can email all these people with, it's more, but a little bit more time consuming. Yes, That's yes. what it comes down to. But essentially, if you can get that right, now yeah. you're increasing the odds of you actually running a profitable business. Exactly. But also now to just go 
back to the initial part of this. Um, I, I started, I'm introducing now the back end, which is, you know, just talking about email marketing, for example. But there is something you can still do on the front end to get more purchases um, or rather a higher purchase value or higher order value. And one of the ways is if someone does come to your site and let's say they put in those perichinos, you can try and upsell them. Right there uh, and then? Yes, right there and then. So if I added something, if I added a chino to my cart and I'm about to check out, if you're able to, well, it needs a bit of coding, but besides that, what you're able then to do is you add a chino to your cart and you say check out, then you can have an upsell. So the next page, actually, before you get to the checkout, it, it loads a page and says, hey, we recommend that these, these belts here would look very good mm. on the uh, pair of pants that you're about to buy. And that is what we call an upsell, is trying to get more purchase value at that moment in time. Because if this person comes, buys one product, well, that's all you've made. It's just from one product. But, you, but because they're excited, this is, you know, we talk about the consumer high. There's a point where um, I've come to your website and I've put something into my cart. I'm ready to check out. I've got my card ready, you know, mm. and I'm excited right now. So it's about taking advantage, I mean, lack of a better word, taking advantage of that consumer, <laughs> consumer's high and trying to upsell them on something more uh, so that you can be able to actually yeah. have a greater purchase value at that moment in time um, from that one specific sale. So that's one way of also doing it, is having this upsell to get more out of that basket of good. Yeah, you use the word taking advantage, but it's more so like you're also adding value because essentially it's like the guy, like you bought, just bought a phone, yeah. now you do need a cell phone cover. Yes. Like it's not necessarily it's not that you're taking advantage of somebody. It's like that's the next Lack of a better word. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I'm just saying like, <laughs> but I mean, that's it's something that you need. Like yeah. sometimes you buy a specific pair of pants and you realize you don't have a belt that goes yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, or shoes, whatever it is. Um, but I actually experienced that yeah. buyer's high last year when I started buying our production equipment and yeah. TJ sitting there, like <laughs> we went through a phase where she's like, hey, we let's buy one mic and then we bought two different kinds of mics before we knew it we bought like a camera yeah. and we spent like 60 odd K or 50 K or something yeah. on all this equipment um, look it paid off obviously luckily for us luckily. but es essentially like you go through this highway like oh but this and that and that is technically real because I've experienced yep. it and I think a lot of other people go through that phase obviously if it fits your budget at the yeah. end of the day yeah. and it's a matter of going alright I want these pair of pants oh mm. I can't wait to have them uh, untake a lot this is how impatient I am the moment it says two to three days delivery I'm like no I don't want the item anymore I want it tomorrow because I'm excited to get it so I'd exactly. rather buy somewhere else where I can get it yeah. tomorrow or I'd go downstairs because we're in Sandin City go down to Sandin City <laughs> pay 100 rand more but yeah. I'm getting it today but while you're there it's like oh but I can also get the cover and I can also get whatever it is that goes with it yeah and I think because obviously we live in a world where we want things now instant gratification right but then now imagine if your e-commerce store allows for express delivery and you can get in two hours. What advantage does that put you? Yeah, it puts me in a very big advantage because I know that Yandre wants things now and he, he's willing to pay that extra, you know, 30 rand or whatever on delivery yeah. if he can get it today, if he can get it Hashtag in two hours. Amazon Prime. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yes. But, I mean, even on another level, there, there is still another way of, of trying to generate more um, revenue from each uh, potential sale and that's by having okay this has more got to do with a business model now um, and it's essentially subscription models yeah. are something that e-commerce stores also do quite well it, it does require a bit of um, commitment and logistics because of the fact that what a subscription model essentially is for those that don't know it's being able to Let's say you sell makeup, right? And every month, um, you know that that bottle of makeup lasts a person for, let's say, 25 days. But then they're going to need to come back and buy another bottle for another 25 days mm. and continue. And it's a cream. Let's say it's a cream that, you know, um, someone has to use it every single day for the next six months to maybe see different results. So what then happens is if... I know that I've got a product that people will likely keep coming to buy every month. I would rather, I, I want to try and make sure that I'm able to have them on a subscription model, which essentially says I'm subscribing to get this product every single month at a certain fee so that I don't have to always constantly come to the store to buy, yeah. you know, to go through that whole shebang again. But 
all it is, it's just an automated um, system where you get it delivered to your home every single month and then they debit your account. At a cheaper fee or whatever. Yeah, so, I mean, you obviously have to make it, you know, make it attractive. Yeah. So maybe you'll say... So it's convenience and yes. it's more affordable. Exactly. So you, you can probably say something like, you know, subscribe to the, to the subscription model and then save 27% off, you know, for the next six months. Mm. So essentially, that's one way of... The business model there, it's about creating a predictable revenue stream. Yeah. Because now you know that I've got, uh, you know, Susie, who's on my mm. subscription model. So for the next six months, I know that, you know, amount, there's a certain amount you coming. You can start budgeting business. properly. Exactly, you know. So it's, it's also trying to get to a stage where how can you actually um, have a business model, have something in place that gives you more of a predictable revenue stream. And one of those is the subscription models. Of course, what I meant um, by, you know, you do need to be ready for the logistics and fulfillment is because of the fact that now mm. it's a commitment. So you have to make sure they that, get it. yeah, they get it each and every month. And, um, you know, the card processing or whatever, what, there's a whole bunch of payment systems that also go into play. So you just need to be ready for that. I don't necessarily say, I wouldn't want to necessarily advise that, you know, if you're just starting out, to go and just immediately go put a subscription model together. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you're You need a base of customers yeah, to really market that You need a base of too. customers to really get that off the ground and to really see it as, it as a profitable venture. Yeah. But that is one model that is, um, I think, very important to, at a certain stage in your business to try and implement as well to create a bit of a stability or predictable and it, revenue. And it probably doesn't all, always work for all e-commerce stores. Yeah, like no, if well. you're selling high-ticket items that people only buy once a year, yeah, that then work. essentially it won't work. So if it's high, you know, moving items, yeah, fast-moving fast items, fast-consumer yeah. fast goods, yeah. then that essentially, really well. yeah, makes mm. sense. And then, I mean, that's basically when someone has already become a customer, right? But there's there's other tactics and, and, and strategies that we talk call it conversion rate optimization technically. Yeah. So <laughs> from 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 the you know for the people listening and then I think what that means is there's more ways that we can you can go about ensuring that you get the best bang for buck when you're driving someone to your site. And what ends up happening is that you've paid for that visitor. Yep. You've now spent five rand for that person to come to your site. Mm. And on average you'll have one hundred people visit your site and one sale. But now conversion rate optimization, technically what that is all about is ensuring that now if you get 100 people, how do you get three out of every 100 to buy? Mm -hmm. So maybe let's talk about that because I think that's also kind of like more of a, we've talked about you know, all the stuff that you can do yep. once the customer is ready to buy, but maybe we can talk about like what we can do in order to entice them to buy. Mm -hmm. So, okay, let's talk. Okay, that's conversion rate optimization. Sorry, every time I hear conversion rate optimization, I get more excited about revenue optimization <laughs> instead. <laughs> um, but essentially, you know, because in my mind, uh, conversion rate optimization is making tweaks to your website in order for them to make, take an action, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it'll be, for example, um, having a blue button buy now button versus a red buy now button, mm. right? You're trying to figure out, you, you're having like these A-B tests as we call them to try and see which b button color converts better. Draws more attention. Exactly, exactly. But then with revenue optimization, it's that thing of now, okay, the person has taken the action. How do we get them to buy more? So that now would be revenue optimization. And that's when you start adding in like upsells. Uh, you start looking at cross-sells or, you know, whenever you buy something, it's like, oh, and people also purchase this with this product. So now you're talking about revenue optimization. Um, and I, I, I like that more than conversion rate optimization because, well, revenue is what your business is after. <laughs> Not just necessarily, you know, trying to get a click because the color changed and, mm. you know, that's getting more of an action. But um, in terms of, just going back to the question of how do we? What is sorry? Uh, we I talked about excited there. <laughs> no, <it's> <laughs> and okay. I lost my train of thought. No, you know, so, so we, we want to talk about how can we get people? How can we entice people to uh -huh. buy? Because now we spoke about how do you get you know more out of the customer technically okay. once he's ready to purchase. Okay. But how do we really entice people to purchase? And what kind of tweaks can uh, we do on the website? Like for one, for example, that okay. I always recommend is making sure that you have the contact number and email address way at the top of the, mm -hmm. of the website. And yes. a lot of times that doesn't really make sense. 
because people are like, but you know, it's all the way at the at the bottom. So why should I change it? And my opinion is, is that the moment they see that there's an actual landline number yeah. or a number that they can phone for support, they feel mm-hmm. more at ease. Yes. The moment they see that there's an email that they can email for support, they feel at ease. It also looks like a legit, le- legitimate business because yeah. the person who's trying to scam you is not going to give you his details. Look, ideally, he can give you wrong details, but mm. still, it just creates a sense of there's someone I can contact um, that would ideally can that can help me if I have an issue. And what I've seen with our website is by having put the the email and the contact number on top of the website. So for those of you interested, go mm. to www.vamedia.co.za and you will notice that our email and contact number is right at the top. You know how many people pick up the phone and just click you know that number there? Mm. And it obviously goes yeah. straight to our landline. Yeah. And the amount of people that just click email. So we don't actually get the inquiry. So it's not like someone that went through all these pages to get yes. to the contact page and then submitted a lead. We just get an email. Hey, guys, this is what we want to do. Mm, mm. Because they saw the email there right there and then and they just grabbed it and, and mm. started typing because it's mm. more of a convenience for them to click and wait for the yes. page to load and, wait, and to find the contact page and what, what. I, I mean, uh, just as you were saying that, so um, I was just thinking in my mind, like, what's up? What's up for business now? Where uh, some e-commerce stores are now adding the WhatsApp option as a chat. Mm. So again, it's you know you know that there's support. You know, 100%. so I'm on the site and I know I can easily just click WhatsApp and you know open up WhatsApp for business, and then you can start talking to somebody or um, chatbots as well on your site. Um, yeah. That's also another ease ease of communication. At least they know that there is somebody there. And this is not just some scam or, you know, like uh, if I need help, mm. I know it's instantly available to me. When I buy software, mm. this is what I ha- what happens. Like I always wait for that support button to come up because no. then I feel like there's someone that can assist yes. me. So if I'm going to yes. buy this piece of software, there's someone I can speak to that can help me sort of. Mm. And, and the, I mean, we buy a lot of tech obviously in software and we invest a lot of it for the business. And often... You know, I would have bought a piece of software and I'd have a question. There's not a support button. Like, mm, I can't mm, find mm. it. Then I have to go and find the email. It's the most frustrating thing in the world. Mm. But the moment there's like that little chat thing, it just goes, Boop. hey, how can I help you today? Mm, mm. And it's just like, guys, you've billed me twice, <laughs> even though for once. Or yes. I'm struggling to figure this out. Please help. Yeah, yeah. We are calling an operator. Just <laughs> wait a couple of minutes. Then I at least know that, you know, someone is going to come and ease. help me. Yeah, yeah. so that that's that's one way of, of um, implementing a strategy. I think the other one, obviously, to uh, this, a lot of people would know, is obviously having things like social proof on your website. So um, if I come there and I want, I'm thinking of making a purchase, but, you know, as human beings, we always look to the next person to find out if, they also have purchased something similar. And, and how was that experience? Mm. So, you know, when adding social proof, when adding testimonials of other people that have purchased, it puts a proof symbol towards your product and what you are selling to the individuals, which obviously then will put me at ease because I know that I'm not going to be the only douchebag who's trying this out first. And then, <laughs> you know, I, I, I get, you'll get nervous. So um, social proof is important as a trust factor and to help put people at ease because there's proof. Um, of of concept, then another one that I was also thinking of is having um, a great offer. Because mm. you're saying, how do we get them to buy? There's a reason why some. There's a reason why stores will say, purchase uh, a product worth one thousand rand and you get free delivery. The offer is the free delivery part, mm. you know. Mm. But now, funny enough, that's actually two strategies in one. So. You're trying to increase the average order value, right? If I say to you, if you minimum spend to get a free shipping is 1.4, right? The reason I'm saying that is because I'm trying to get you to spend 1.4. Don't just spend 500 rand on me because you're not going to get the free shipping and have to mm. pay for it. So if I say, listen, spend 1.5 and I'm going to give you free shipping, that psychologically, like, okay, cool. I, I do want free shipping, so I'm going to want to spend 1.5, hopefully. Um, but at the same time, the offer is the free shipping. So it's, it's almost like a two-in-one yeah. sort of... Killing thing. two yeah, birds with one exactly. stone. Your, um, another, another way to get people to actually buy is to entice them with the first-time um, purchase, maybe discount. Or So if you buy, for the f- if it's your first time here, um, here you get a 10% off, uh, and here's a coupon code, for example. So that's one w- another way of trying to get someone to actually buy from you and, and from your store. It's... It's the offer. Mm. It really is the offer, especially if you're a brand that nobody knows. Like, you're going to have to have something irresistible for me to make that purchase. Um, otherwise, I'm, I'm probably not going to eventually 
make that purchase es- at all. Especially when someone doesn't really know the brand. Mm. So, for example, Apple can launch, like I w- just out of interest, I want mm. no, I can't say this because my dad might be listening to this, so I wanted to speak <laughs> about buying him a birthday present for his 60th birthday. Mm. But I wanted to buy a specific item for him at one of the stores downstairs. Mm. And <laughs> it's a repeatable brand. Um, long story short, what happened was, I asked the guy behind the counter and I said, do you have this item in stock? And he goes, no, because they underestimated, um, well, they actually overestimated, no, hold on, they underestimated <laughs> how many they're actually going to sell. Sell. Uh. No, I'm confusing myself now. Yeah. They sold way too many uh-huh. of these items. Okay. So they obviously underestimated the, you know, the power of the brand behind mm. this new product that they released. And that's... the. I don't know if it's the best offer because it is, in essence, an, an expensive product. So you, there's no attractive offer saying, "Hey, buy this now. Yes, this is this is the once-off buy yeah. fee, or this is the ten percent, twenty percent discount that you're getting." There's none of that. Mm. But mm. it's the brand, and that, because the brand has a new product, people were like just flocking big. to it, and they actually underestimated, mm. you know, the amount of product they need to manufacture to satisfy everybody now classic that's a classic example of having a strong brand but if you don't have a strong brand then you have to compensate with value and offers you have to compensate with actually you know making it as attractive as possible for people to actually open their wallets going damn this is a good deal I don't know who the brand is Mm. but I know that this is a good deal so my now I'm just more prone to actually engage with this brand yes exactly and um, we've actually got a brand Really cool brand, and one of their strategies is buying the your first purchase. So when you buy an item, you get a gift. People, you know, they refer to it as a gift, and they gift you a it's a a product with two hundred and fifty rand. It's actually a key holder, um, but it's from like genuine leather, and he makes it sound very exciting. But I mean, that's one way of him trying to get that purchase is because he knows that. He's still a small brand. No one really knows him. But if you buy this product, I'm gonna give. I'm gonna gift you with a complimentary product with 250 rand, and that's working really well for him as well. Yeah. Yeah. And like the, that's the other thing. Like I think from from our side, one thing I've noticed, um, you know, talking about setting people at ease, like the, taking a step back to to this conversation and setting people at ease with the the support buttons and emails and stuff. Something I wanted to add to that was also um, the fact that you have a clear shipping policy and mm-hmm. how returns work mm. like a lot of people don't put that on the e-commerce sites yes they don't think people care about that stuff but they do like it's actually very crucial if i buy something i'm yeah. like if i don't like it how do i go about exchanging it can yeah. i exchange it what is the cost of exchange do i have to pay for the courier to come to me mm. are you going to take care of those costs like these are real th- questions people are asking when it comes to return policy so having a sorry yeah. to having by having a very clear return policy and you know how it actually works, and a shipping policy as well. Yes. If you can make that prominent on the site somewhere, yeah. you're just putting someone at ease and understand. They now know what they're getting into. Transparency. Um, as you were speaking there, it just reminded me of another. I think something that we underestimate is in terms of uh, shipping and delivery fees. Actually, making it visible to the individual how much it's going to be, because you know what happens. I go and I've added this thing to my card and I'm excited and I'm ready to buy and all I'm seeing is four nine nine and then I go I go over to the next process I start putting in my card details I mean my details for uh, my delivery where it's going to get to and then the next page is now actually putting in my credit card details and then all of a sudden I'm like whoa eighty rand delivery I wasn't expecting that mm. I budgeted four nine nine because that's what you told me it is so something that's also worth testing is actually having your delivery fee immediately after someone is added to the checkout so that you can see delivery fee is this. Um, and then you obviously want to have your returns policy and everything else, but it needs to be visible. You need to be as transparent as possible because the reason why people actually drop off is because they're surprised by the the, mm-hmm. um, the, the delivery cost. And so they're like, oh, okay, never mind. And then, you know, you start asking yourself, oh, but people are adding to cart, but they're not purchasing. Well, one of the reasons may be because you're not being as transparent with them as possible. Mm-hmm. So it's very key to obviously have that and make sure that people are clear of the actual total cost that they're going to be paying on their end. And then um, that helps, you know, like reduce the friction. The other thing I thought about was you need to eliminate risk for yep. the customer. The customer is going to take risk mm-hmm. by spending money with you and you need to eliminate that risk for him in order to make it come more easy for him, more easier for him, like yeah. obviously more comfortable for him to open his wallet. 
And I think if you can eliminate risk for a customer, mm. the chances are you'd convert more. Because that's what that's one of the biggest barriers yeah. that kind of like prevents people from spending money online. Is like, is it real business? Is it can safe I trust this guys? website as is well? Is it safe? What is the shipping policy? Yeah. Uh, can I return it? Mm. And I think one of those things is it all comes down to what risk am I taking on mm. by dealing with this company. Yeah. So if you can break down all those barriers and eliminate all that risk, mm. essentially, and to conclude this, you know, this question, I yeah. think is that you need to eliminate the risk for that actual visitor that wants to spend money with you. Have a great offer, have a great guarantee. That's one way, those are two ways of eliminating that risk. 100%. I think a, a, a big question people usually ask when we talked about Shopify earlier is that, you know, Shopify or WordPress, like that's one of the questions we get all yeah. the time. Like <laughs> Which now, one? There's, now there's Wix, uh, commas as well. Like they used to just do blogs and now they're actually doing, uh, you know, e commerce sites for the last two years. Yeah. Then you get Shopify, then you get WooCommerce. Like where do you start? What do you do? I mean, we've had clients go from WordPress to Shopify yeah. and then back. Honestly speaking, um, I actually like both. But. I'll be truthful. I think if you're on a budget, budget conscious, cash budget, I would actually go with WordPress, mm. um, WooCommerce to, to get yourself started. The only thing um, is that with Shopify, it's so much easier mm. to manage the online store, um, to make changes, um, to you know, um, have certain, like a subscription model, for example. It's probably very simple, much simpler to implement on a Shopify than it is on a WooCommerce. So there's certain things that will be easier to implement on one store versus another. Yeah. However, I, I haven't really had any issue um, with running or you know, generating sales for either one of them. Mm. It's really just about potentially what you are trying to do. Um, Shopify is great for scaling very easy to scale on a Shopify store, in my opinion, versus a WooCommerce store. Why, and why is that? Well, for one, um, you need less of development work when it comes to a Shopify store versus a, WooCom, uh, okay. a WordPress store. So you'll find that um, when, need, when there's certain things that need to be you know, like coded, Shopify, store, Shopify already has those functionalities in there. Like, they might just be a plugin, for example. Um, but changes that need to be made on a Shopify store are going to be much easier than they are on a WordPress store. Because a WordPress would probably find that you need a coder to actually come in and, you know, put certain coding in place because it just doesn't have that, um, that resource internally built into those stores. So it does become a bit of a challenge, especially if you're a business owner who who doesn't know much about coding, much about websites, yeah, Shopify is much easier than a, a, a WooCommerce or WordPress one to actually manage and maintain. and, and, and that You'll have to thing. pay someone to manage yeah, your WooCommerce yeah, site yeah. if you don't have any tech so backgrounds. Yeah. Sorry. So if you're not technically yeah. inclined. <laughs> so um, another, reas another reason why, just to actually go back, why do I say it's better for scaling is because Shopify, when it initially started, was meant for e-commerce stores. So it's got built-in features that allow you to scale versus WordPress that then brought on WooCommerce because, you know, it started booming, this e-commerce industry, and they brought on WooCommerce, but the functionality and, and the features are not exactly up to par to where Shopify is right now. Mm. So you got a platform that was specifically built for e-commerce stores, but then you had now another platform that built on top of it to then cater for e-commerce. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so... Sorry. <laughs> you can just cut that out because I spoke like that. Cool. Um, yeah, so I think the other thing is is that that's usually the biggest debate, like Shopify or, or WordPress. Like I used to think that Shopify has a higher conversion rate because it just makes it so easier for people to check out. Mm. But you can get the same amount of conversion rates, I suppose, if you have someone who's technically inclined that yep. can just make sure that those pages are designed accordingly. And this is what I've noticed. Yeah. I don't know what your opinion is. Mm. This is this. The thing with Shopify, why I believe that it had a better conversion rate was because the moment you've added something to your card, it was really, really easy to get to the, the point where you have to put your credit card details in. Yeah. And there was no friction uh, between those two points. Mm -hmm. Where with WooCommerce, there's 
I've noticed there's usually a, a bit of extra distractions. For example, the menu is still at the top, but mm. people don't know that by having the menu there, you are giving someone the option to go somewhere else yes. as opposed to uh, taking out their credit yeah, card. Yeah. So you need to eliminate options. The mm. moment someone is ready to buy, it's up to you to take them to this little buying room yes. almost like where you eliminate all the focus. others. Yeah, there's, yeah. All, there's all these other distractions yeah. that have been completely eliminated from the checkout process. Mm. And all people are discussing in that room is like just checking out like exactly. this is it yeah like, this is the core this is the only thing you can do and i find with wordpress that is my the only thing i can comment on and i'm sure it's improved since i've obviously worked on the platform and i mean i've haven't worked in woocommerce in about a year or two but one thing i've noticed is that they kind of like have these additional distractions which mm. some people think is good because i've seen business owners put like the menu and then there's other specials and ideally you want to upsell but not when the person is really like there's a time and place for the upsell. Yeah. Like it's either before he's taking out his credit yeah. card or right after. But the mm. moment you try and show him or the upsell is about just while having one product and not five different yeah, options. That's so if you, that's technically yeah. what it comes down to is like distractions. It's not necessarily the fact that you, you know, people think, oh, show them five other deals. Mm. That mm. is distracting them it from is. what they actually about to buy exactly. so that's the one thing I noticed I don't know what your opinion is on that but I think that's one thing that Shopify does amazingly well two key I think you've raised like you just sparked another conversation in my head but it is still related to this um, so let's talk about that checkout process right unfortunately the disadvantage that Shopify has is that you can't customize that checkout experience unless you're on Shopify Plus Ah. so Shopify Plus is Quite costly. About two thousand dollars. That's a f- that's a f- lot of money. It is a lot of money. So yes, it, Shopify Plus is very expensive, and to customize your checkout, you are gonna have to fork out a bit of money. But now small businesses don't have two thousand dollars to be running off every single month. What you can then do is look at. Uh, this is why I was saying is that um, with WooCommerce, it's cheaper, right? But you can edit or, or rather, you know, you customize that checkout experience. However, you're going to need somebody who knows how to do the mm. coding. Mm. That's the only other thing. Um, ideally, you might want to look at having a one-page checkout. And what I mean by that is when, you're, when you've added to cart and you're hitting checkout, all the information is on one page, mm. right? So there's just like three go- columns. So here's the product that you've added to cart. Uh, put in your details here. You put in your credit card here, and then you proceed to check out here, and that's it. Like, if you can just have that on one page, because one of the reasons why you also want to have it on one page is that if I look at it on one page, I can see one, two, three step. But if I have to constantly click, okay, check out, okay, I need to add my details, okay, I need to go next to next page, I need to add this, okay, next page. You, you know, you, you start having more steps, but now the consumer is also like, geez, how many steps am I going to keep adding before I yeah. get to the credit card? And then part? before you know it, it's like, honey, dinner's ready. Yeah, and then they drop off. And then you start wondering, but why are people dropping off? Because you've got so many steps, and you also, you, you're not indicating clearly how long it's going to take. Yeah. So people get frustrated, and it's like, geez, Maybe, I don't know, there's still three other steps. Ah, you know what, I'm out of here. So you want to look at having also like a one-page checkout where you can actually see, okay, it's just three steps and then I'm checking out and I'm done. So the easier it looks, obviously, the, you know, the simpler it is, then the, the greater the chance of them actually um, purchasing. When it comes to... Um, sorry, I think I answered that question. Yeah, you did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, cool. <laughs> yeah, so that's... Uh, yeah. There are certain things that are custom-coded that require someone to come in and help you with, but then on Shopify, there are certain things that if you want that custom-coded experience, you're also going to have to fork out an arm and a leg for it, um, and most businesses probably don't have that $2,000. No, that's a lot of money, eh? It is a lot of money. And you have to be making, back, I mean, how many products do you need to be yeah. selling? Like, how much profit re- do you have to make to exactly cover that? Exactly. Like kind of like you down can't to. be selling... 200 rand products at that stage. You, yeah. you really have to be selling, you know, uh, or doing a lot of volume at least yeah. to really say, okay, it's worth paying this $2,000. Yes, you get an awesome support and everything else with it, but it, it, that's a whole different level of scaling yeah, at that stage. So cool. Let's, uh, let's conclude this uh, episode of ours, I think, from an e-commerce perspective. So let's 
talk about, let's do a little bit of a recap because yeah. obviously we talked a lot. Yeah. So from a recap perspective, um, you know, the number one mistake people are making is they're just not doing the math. Mm-hmm. They need to dig into their own numbers, mm. then the advertising numbers, mm. then the management numbers, mm-hmm. the shipping fees and all that kind of stuff before they really go. I mean, they're always welcome to inquire with an agency, but the chances are an agency is not going to be this transparent. And, and they're just going to say yes because they want the business. Of course. And before they know it, you know, they're out of retirement money or whatever it is like because, you know, we've seen stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Right. So from our side, I think... Mm. That's the first thing that people need to do. The second thing was, you know, you need to make sure that if someone is basically ready to buy what you said, right? If someone's ready to buy, Mm. uh, you need to ensure that they are getting upsold, that while you have their attention and while they're ready to buy, you're giving them other... No, not distracting them back to the conversation yeah, earlier, but upselling them, yep. making sure that you're showing them the same kind of items, bringing them into your list, mm-hmm. um, making sure that you are communicating with them frequently, yes. showing them what's new. Yeah. Um, yeah. What else did we say? Like I can remember we talked about the giveaway, brand yes. building. I mean, have a great offer. Um, I mean, that's what we. One of the things that we said is you're really going to have to have a great offer if the brand is not known very well. Um, but also, I mean, even having a one-year guarantee is a great offer. You know, mm. it's better than not having a guarantee at all. You know, or a thirty-day return policy is not. It's better than having no return policy. So keep that in mind. But I think one of the things that I would really um, want to mention as of key importance is that process that happens after that purchase mm. it's very important that you are actually doing something with this customer that just cost you to acquire money you know um so it's it's key that you have some kind of strategy in the back end of things where you are understanding that this existing customer or this active customer right now is someone that i need to nurture is someone that i need to you know be rewarding because they've purchased from me from the past because I want them to keep buying. But also, at some point, you don't want them just to be a customer. You actually want them to be a loyal fan now, right? Like, Mm. you want them to go out and tell people about your brand without you having to ask for that review. Like, oh, hey, just wanted to ask if you could review our product. You you need to get to a stage where you're building something so incredible, so awesome, a product that is just so amazing that people will willingly go and tell people about your brand. Offer times value equals yeah. hopefully that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and I think lastly, uh, you know, the other stuff was conversion rate optimization. It's about making sure that you look at your site um, you know, speed is another thing that would I actually kind of like oh, yes. now thinking that about. Like, don't make you need to make sure that your site is loading quickly mm. enough, fast mm-hmm. enough. Uh, you, you can't. People on their mobile devices, they don't want to wait three yeah. or four or five seconds for a page to load. They're just going to drop off because they're in the queue by the bank. You know, they're waiting for somebody. Yeah. You need to make sure that while you have their attention, that you're making it as quick and seamless for them to get to the message and the offer, so mm-hmm. that you can essentially get them to that checkout process speed making sure that you take removing all the risk right making yeah. sure that you're removing all that risk for the customer and at the end of the day by putting in your uh, privacy well not necessarily i want to say privacy policy but your shipping policy your uh, return policy yeah. and all that kind of stuff needs to be clear and also make it as easy as possible for them to understand because a lot of times like you read these policies mm-hmm. and you're like hold on I don't understand what you're actually saying yeah. do, I, do I need to pay mm-hmm. or are you going to pay like I don't understand mm. so it's about speaking layman's terms making sure that people are clear on on what is going to happen if I want to return something or not removing that risk what yeah. it comes down to but also just remember that on that product page be sure that you know that you have descriptions. Uh, it's very important that you write out. This is the thing I think some businesses over- underestimate people's ability to you know go onto a site and want to read because they do read. You know, it's about making sure that you have more than enough description, telling them every single thing that you can about the product. Because the more informed that they are about it, mm. the greater the chance of them making that purchase. It, it's not know? just about copy and pasting the manufacturer no, description no, on the site. please don't do that. It's about creating unique <laughs> descriptions that actually Absolutely. speaks to the consumer and their questions that they might have. Um, you know, if I can make a recommendation, yeah, is that uh, the moment someone emails you and asks a question, put that on your frequently yeah. asked page under yeah. that specific product. Uh, make sure you're making notes because the you don't have the salesperson in store right here. When you're on, on, online, you don't yes. have that salesperson. Yeah, you don't have that when luxury. you walk into a store, there's a salesperson 
willing to answer all your questions and who's ready to convince you that this is the best product for you. You do not have that person online. So it's mm. crucial yeah. that you create that a sense of that person by answering all these questions that people might have if they had to come into your store, mm. right? Because they're still going to have the same questions yeah, about absolutely. the product. And also the higher the ticket price, the, the more, more questions they're going to have yes. and the more risk they're taking yeah. on. Yeah. So it's important that you, you know, consider that. And have empathy. Like people get upset when people don't buy. Like, I've got so many. Why are people not buying? Like my product is great. Come on. <laughs> yeah, look, if you're not making sales, then essentially, you know, I mean, if, oh. if, if you're doing your marketing right and you're still not making sales, then that's kind of like a message mm. saying, look, is your product really that great? Yeah. And well, how can you angle it differently? Are you articulating the message, mm. you know, clear enough or whatever, whatever? So yeah, I think from our side, that is kind of like what we wanted to share with you guys today from Gilbert's perspective. He is our e-commerce guru and from from his perspective, I think there was a lot of value and thanks for that, man. No, thank you for having me. Um, there's still a lot of lot we could discuss, but, um, you know, just uh, in respect of time and, uh, of course, listeners out there, you will be very busy. Um, we'll still be sharing a lot of value and a ton of value, so just be sure to, you know, watch and keep uh, breezed with the uh, V8 media. Yeah, so we try and do this weekly um, and Gilbert will probably feature more than anybody on this podcast because mm-hmm. every time we find something interesting yeah, we'll probably bring it on board Yeah, um, and we want to share it with you guys but uh, next week we're going to talk about brand building and creative um, with someone called, I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, don't, so don't from, our, <laughs> from our side, Um, Yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. All the best and uh, we'll see you next week. Cheers, everyone.